I know that's kind of like what you have to say when you stand up and speak as a visitor in, in the church. It's a real privilege to be with you, but it is really good to be here. Great to, to worship with you this morning and um, to be back here at, at Strandtown. I've been with Lee and, and the staff team uh, back in November last year and then met the elders in May. We talked through some issues of discipleship. My role at Carn Money is discipleship associate. Try and explain that to your barber, but... Um, uh, <laughs> My responsibility is to coordinate discipleship in the life of the church, and so Lee and I have had some conversations about that, and I don't think any of us really have it figured out uh, or know what to do. It is a big challenge, um, but I'm excited to preach from Colossians because it's been a book that's been really helpful for me as I think about what, what does Christian maturity look like? Where do we go if we want to mature and grow up as believers? One morning as I came out of our bedroom at home, I looked on the wall and there was a brown crayon mark, like a wavy uh, kind of crayon mark that definitely wasn't there when we bought the house. And um, I suppose in theory, you could say it was an addition to the interior design, but actually it subtracted from the overall look that we were hoping for. One of the children had obviously left their mark on the wall. And in the Colossian church, what was going on was that there were false teachers who who were leaving their mark on the church. They were adding to the finished work of Jesus Christ by saying that, you see, if you want to really be mature, if you really want to know spiritual things, if you really want to be strong, spiritually, then there are some other things as well as Jesus that you might need. They were adding to the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and by doing that, they were subtracting from his sufficiency. They were technically, I suppose, adding, but but overall, they were saying, Jesus isn't really enough if you, if you want to be mature. If you want to grow up, you need something added on to Jesus to be strong spiritually or to be wise. There were these self-appointed gurus who were saying, we really know some things about the spiritual life and the spiritual world. And if you want to know them, come to us. They were, they were distracting people away from Jesus and drawing them to themselves. They were saying special insight or spiritual knowledge is available through rituals and practices and passwords. And there were hoops to jump through if you wanted to grow up. But we know, don't we, that that is not the case. 23rd Psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Paul writes to this church to remind them and to expose to them the big idea, I suppose, of Colossians is Jesus is enough. That Jesus is enough for you if you want to grow, if you want to be mature. You don't need more than Jesus. You simply need more of Jesus. That's what Paul is saying here. He, we interrupt the prayer this morning as he prays for the people of God at Colossae and he gives thank, thanks for them. He doesn't know them, but here's a report of them from Epaphras, who planted the church and shared the gospel with them. And as you were hearing last week from Lee, that, that 
Paul authenticates Epaphras' ministry. He says, like, Epaphras is a good guy. He's a gospel guy. He, he shared with you the real message of the gospel. He didn't leave anything out. And, and what you've come to faith in is the thing you need to keep your faith in. You need to keep your faith in Jesus. He gives thanks for the church. He gives thanks for Epaphras. He, he gives thanks for the gospel. And he, he, he gives thanks that the gospel is not just having an impact locally, but globally all over the world. It's growing, bearing fruit. This is the gospel, the same gospel that the Colossians have consumed is, is, is bearing fruit everywhere. Well, it's not that the main point of, of Colossians or the, the main point maybe even of this section. I find it interesting to think about where Paul is while he prays this prayer of thanksgiving. He's in prison in Rome. He's had so many of the freedoms of life that you and I enjoy stripped from him. And he's spilling out gratitude and thanksgiving, saying, oh, boy, when I think of the Colossian church, my heart is full. When I, when I think of you, when you come to mind, I give thanks to God. When I think of Epaphras, when I think of the gospel, I give thanks. And if I'm really honest, this is a rebuke to me. Because the moment my freedoms are stripped from me, I, I become pretty miserable. I find it easy to be miserable and hard to be thankful. And, and Paul doesn't plunge into self-pity as a prisoner he pours out gratitude. How do you respond when your options are limited? When the freedoms that you normally enjoy are taken from you? What do you mean there's no prawn crackers left? You're like, do you not understand how important they are to my meal and my plan for this evening? How do we respond when our, our lives are, are restricted or limited in any way? Paul has lost so much freedom, yet he's able to praise God. And, and that challenges me challenges me to my core. Paul's able to give thanks as, as he thinks about other Christians. I'm sure you, you could think of people that no matter what you were going through in life, you could think of other believers who, who would stir thanksgiving in your heart as a name comes to mind. Even in the bleakest of circumstances in your life, you could think of another Christian and it would bring joy to your heart and gratitude. You could think of the impact of the gospel on your life or the impact of the gospel globally or locally. And, and you would be happy, joyful, glad as you think about those things. That's what Paul does in his limitations. I, I think that this is an important aspect of Christian discipleship. Because we're all in some kind of prison, maybe a financial prison, maybe a work prison, maybe a relationship prison, maybe a health prison. And to be able to say, I always thank God, would make you distinctive in our culture that complains, complains and, and moans. Is there a customer comment form, please? Because I'm not happy with what I'm dealing with right now. You will be distinctive in the world if you are a person who gives thanks in all circumstances. You, you, you would have great influence if you could cultivate thankfulness as an aspect and a characteristic of your life. Paul heard a report about the Colossians from Epaphras, and his prayer is that they would grow up, that they would mature, 
that they would find a full life in Jesus. I want to think about this morning, a full life in Jesus and a free life in Jesus. Can you remember back to school? I know this is maybe like a longer journey for some of you than others, but you know, remember back to school or university and going to, to sit in an exam and you're in that kind of holding pen before they actually let you into the assembly hall? Or for me, it was the diamond in, in Coleraine University. And you just kind of wait for the doors to open and you're flooding into like a rock concert, but it's actually just like a little table and you sit down. There's always one geek, wasn't there, before you went into this hall who was like checking what you'd revised. Like, this is not the time for that conversation. And like, I, I studied history at Korean. People say there's no future in history. So, yeah. so they, they go around asking you, did you do Hitler's rise to power? And did you do the Russian revolution? Did you cover home rule? And you're like, yeah, like Wimbledon's singles finalist since 1938. And you're like, no, no, I didn't cover. And you start to feel nervous because they ask you questions about things that you haven't revised and you think I'm ill-equipped and I'm ill-prepared for what lies before me. And as I read the book of Colossians, that's the picture that I get of these false teachers in the church going around unsettling people saying, well, I know you know Jesus, but do you really, do you really have spiritual knowledge? Do you really have spiritual power that, that they, these false teachers are unsettling people, making them feel ill-equipped to live a full Christian life? Knowledge that was, according to them, essential to know, but outside of Jesus. If you want to be spiritually mature, you need to know this, and I can give it to you. They were peddling wisdom. They were peddling knowledge. They were peddling spiritual experiences that would make you mature as a Christian. They were suggesting that Jesus is a good starting point, but if you really, if you really want to be a significant, mature spiritual person then I've got some other hoops that you should jump through if you want to be complete there were other places to look other connectedness that was important if you wanted to be a full Christian festivals to attend food to eat angel worship to participate in exercises to be done etc 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 I know this will be a bit of a stretch for us but can you imagine living in a culture so naive and so primitive that they would believe a full life could be found in a disciplined diet and harsh treatment of the body. <laughs> They're thinking, whoa, this is, this is what maturity is about? Eating well and exercise. That's what the false teachers were advertising. Paul prays that they may live a life worthy of the Lord may please him in every way, bearing fruit and growing in the knowledge of God. The ESV says that they would be fully pleasing to him. You see, if you, if you want to fully please God, you don't need more than Jesus. You just need more of Jesus. He is where the spiritual power is located. It's in him. Verse 11 says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great patience and endurance. The church today needs to know where the power is located. The church today needs to not drift from Jesus to whatever else people are saying, here's where the power is. We need to remain in Christ. We need to know where to look if we want to live a life that's fully pleasing to God. There's so many false teachers around us, so many um, false stories and false opportunities of good news, false gospels around us, 
false options. They're so subtle. Here's an Instagram post that I saw recently. It said, believe in yourself and all that you are. Know that there is something inside you that is greater than any obstacle. Everyone's liking it. Wow, that's amazing. What you need to know about me is that um, part of my role at Car Money is a little bit of pastoral care involved in there. So sometimes I'm visiting people in hospital. Sometimes I'm conducting funerals. Sometimes I'm sitting with people Marriages are struggling. Sometimes I'm sitting with people and, and they're facing uh, redundancy. So I'm, I'm thinking about like going to visit somebody and, and reading the Instagram post, believe in yourself and all that you are. Know that there is something inside you that is greater than any obstacle and it's just not going to be helpful to them. I'm, si- I'm thinking about going to like 4C in the Royal Victoria Hospital and someone who is seriously ill and opening my, opening my phone and, and reading an Instagram post and saying to them, believe in yourself and all that you are. Know that there is something. And they're like, no, I'm weak. Don't make me the solution to my problem. I also enjoy a good strawberry yogurt from Activia, right? And on the, on the inside lid of a strawberry yogurt says, feeling sunny on the inside will drive the clouds away, right? The pastoral care of our world is not really up to much, is it? It's, it's weak. Feel like, come on. Feeling sunny on the inside will drive the clouds away. You imagine standing at a graveside, saying that to a family. You imagine going to visit someone who's just got terrible news from a hospital report, and you say, hey, have you just imagine, just like feel sunny on the inside. Instead of, of opening Psalm 46 and saying, God is our refuge and strength, ever-present help, help in time of trouble, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is with her. Be still and know that I am God. That makes a difference. Help from outside. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. See, the gospel is a message from outside of us in our weakness that there is strength that comes to us that we do not possess apart from Jesus Christ. And we, we should not be embarrassed about the gospel as a church because the message and the pastoral care that is on offer in the world is weak. And hopeless. If we're going to be strengthened, it will be through his glorious might that overcame the grave. We should not be embarrassed about Jesus. We should not be embarrassed about the gospel. The world should be embarrassed about the hope that it offers. You listen to people this week talking about the helicopter tragedy that happened at Leicester City Football Ground. Our world has nothing to say to that. No hope to bring to that situation. In a short book that I read uh, by John Hindley from the Good Book Company called You Can Really Grow, he says this, The reason why society tries to ignore suffering and pain is that it has woefully few answers for it. And I, I listened to Neil Warnock, the Cardiff manager, on the radio this week saying, If I was the manager of Leicester City, I would want the players to get out there and play a game on Saturday to take their mind off things. Take their mind off things. See, Jesus doesn't just distract us from death. He defeats death. He's not like, hey, look over here. I know something really bad happened over there. 
But hey, look over here and don't think about that for a while. Jesus defeats death. He doesn't just distract us from it. Knowing Jesus more fully will enable us to have confidence in all our suffering, in all our waiting, in all our pain. We can joyfully give thanks to the Father like Paul does while he's in prison. Paul urges them to trust Jesus alone for wisdom, endurance, and and to know fullness in, in Christ. Knowing Jesus fully will equip you to wait well because Jesus was mocked, he was spat on, he was, he was beaten, he was crucified and, and buried. And it was, his life is going the wrong way. And God vindicated him on the third day, he rose again. And, and that encourages us that Jesus doesn't distract us from death. He defeats death. He doesn't avoid it or dodge it. He, he embraces it, endures it, and exposes it as weak in comparison to him. Not even death can crush the purposes of God. And so, what is it that's unpleasant in your life right now? What is it that's hard and difficult for you to endure right now? Can I encourage you to take it to the cross? Take it to the cross and ask God to give you a cross-shaped perspective on your suffering. A cross-shaped perspective on the thing that you're waiting for or hoping for. What, what is it? Is there a relationship on a bad trajectory? Are your finances on a bad trajectory? Is your work situation on a bad trajectory? Your parents or your, your relatives? What is it that's heading the wrong way? A few years ago, we, we read a story to our children from a book that they got in Sunday school called Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. You maybe heard, heard of this book or, or seen it, but it was such an encouragement to me when I read it to, the, to our kids. It, this is the story, just really quickly. When a skyscraper is built, what's the first thing the builders do? They dig a huge hole. Wait, they're going the wrong way. For years, the construction site is just a hole in the ground. It looks like nothing's happening. But the builders would tell you they're laying the foundations. The part you don't see that keeps the tar from falling over. The higher they build, the deeper they must dig. They're digging down to go up. Amazing way to help kids understand that even when, when life is going the wrong direction, when things are headed the wrong way, God is in control. The reality of the depths of the cross should assure us of the purposes of God when we're in the depths. When things are not working out for us, that, that God did his best work while men did their worst work. Not a brilliant kind of lens to look at the life that we're living right now. I think that this may be one of the key areas for Christian discipleship. For us to wait well, to trust God when things aren't working out the way we want, our culture is totally allergic to waiting. I was at McDonald's a couple of years ago, and placed an order for our family through the, the drive-thru, and uh, I ordered the apple pie, and the, the voice came back through the little microphone, the speaker bit, saying, excuse me, it's going to be a seven-minute wait on your apple pie. Is that okay? I'm like, I need a warning about having to wait for seven minutes. I'm like, the apple pie's for me. Of course I'm going to wait. But like, we are so allergic to waiting, that somebody needs to warn us that it's going to, this is going to be a long wait. Like, have you got seven minutes? And I think for us to trust God, 
for, for disciples to wait on him, not to click our fingers and say, hey, over here, acknowledge me, pick me, like me, retweet me. I think that will make a difference, that we will be distinctive in the world if we can wait well, not to crave acknowledgement, but to trust him. We can please him in every way because we can trust him with everything. That's what Paul is saying here. Just endure it all. Trust him in all. You can have a full life in Jesus. Paul reminds the church that a full life is only possible in Jesus. And then he tells them that a free life is only available in Jesus too. He assures these believers of power for, for the present reality. You can wait now. You have an ability, a fresh ability to wait now. But you also have hope for your future. And you have freedom from your past because you're forgiven. Speaking of, of the Father, Paul says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. One of the great starting points for sharing our faith with other people is an acknowledgement that the world we live in right now is, is not okay. That we experience brokenness too, that Christians aren't bubble-wrapped from hard times, but that we experience them too. Everyone complains Rich and poor, young and old, complain, moan. Someone says, you know, we exit the womb crying and we never really stop till the point of our death. And we all complain. We long for change, don't we? There's a, a throwback Thursday in all of us, a longing for Eden. Uh, you get those notifications, rediscover this day, and it's like a photograph from like three years ago. And people are posting them on Facebook. They say, do you remember that day? I think in all of us, there's, there's a, an echo of Eden, a memory of a day without tears or pain or sadness. And we can't escape it. We want to go back to that day. A couple of weeks ago, I was standing at the touchline of um, the 3G pitches in, in Carrick where James, my eldest boy, was football training with Carrick Rangers. And I got talking to one of the other dads just about stuff, just normal stuff. And he shared with me about his own dad dying, which is an experience that I have had as well. And, and his dad had cancer and my dad had cancer. And we talked about it. And as we talked about it, we, we just kind of shrugged our shoulders and looked at each other. And he, he said to me, it's just not right. Sure it's not. And I could agree with him. I could agree with him. It's just not right. Matt Chandler, the American pastor from Texas, said this, until we honestly evaluate this life under the sun, until we're ready to look at our lives and see that real meaning lies outside this world system, we will be stuck on the treadmill. This place is broken. There's no sense in looking to it for the fix. See, no matter how impressive the people are around you, no matter how much it looks like they've got their lives together, they're living in, a, in darkness. They're living with brokenness and they're trying their best to cover it up. And if they don't know Jesus, they've got no hope of light. They've got no hope of life. And they're terrified. They're living with guilt about their past because they get no guarantee of forgiveness. Another Instagram account to follow because I like to run. It said something about, you know... Um, a pair of trainers is a great answer to your problems because every step will erase some past wrong or some harsh word. I'm like, that's just the biggest pile of nonsense. And again, can you imagine saying to someone who is caught up about the thing that they've done in their lives, feeling guilt and shame, like, if you've got a pair of Nike Air Max that we can maybe sort this guilt out? Like, it's just nonsense. 
people around us are living with guilt. Here's the message on the bin in, in Newton Abbey. Mess up, clean up, right? We tell it to our kids. But what if you're so messed up that you can't clean it up yourself? Like, I struggle to build a Billy bookcase from Ikea. Don't, don't entrust me with my own life. Don't put that on me. I'm already weighed down with the mess that I've made of it up until now. Don't say, like, it's all on you to clean up. The wonderfully good news of the gospel is that we've messed up and God cleans up. That's the news about Jesus that we rejoice in. When everything's lost, we come before God in worship singing, there is a redeemer. Jesus, God's own son. That's where my hope is. That's where the hope of the church is. Darkness defeated and Eden restored. That's our hope. That we can be transferred from darkness to light in Jesus. No more tears. I quoted Matt Chandler. He's a Baptist pastor, so I'm going to give you a Presbyterian. It's Ray Ortland, And he says, The heart sings when we accept how little it means, how little it matters that we are in control and how much it matters that God is in control for us. When we discover how little it matters that we are able and how much it suffices that God is able on our behalf. How much it matters that God is able on my behalf. Jesus is enough. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. Long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flame with light. My chains fell off. My heart is free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Because God did something. Not because I cleaned up. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. The Holy Spirit awakened me to Jesus. Light overcomes darkness in me and in you. And Paul reminds the Colossian church of what Epaphras has told them already. In Christ we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. Disciplined eating will not provide that for you will not transfer you from that position of darkness to light, from death to life. No before and after picture like that is possible except through a relationship with Jesus Christ. What's going to bring about your redemption? What can wash away my sin? Nothing. What can make me whole again? Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's the message that the world needs to hear. That's the message that the church needs to return to. Over and over and over again. Don't let the mark of the false teachers in our world deceive you and draw you away. They will actually subtract from the sufficiency of Jesus rather than adding to him. Through many dangers, toils and snares, we have already come. Grace has brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. The way in is the way on. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. My prayer is that you would continue in Jesus, that you would trust him, that you would say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Don't be deceived. Don't be held captive by the lies of our culture. Continue to trust in him. Let's pray.